Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday. How do we normally start these? Now I, my brain is just like, nope, I'm done. Hello and happy <laughs> Friday. I'm Tracy B. Wilson, and you're Holly Fry. We're totally doing it. Yes. Uh, for some reason, our our minds are a little frazzled. We have just recorded an episode, though, about Margaret Lucas Cavendish. One of the things that inspired this episode is one of my least favorite behaviors on Twitter, which is when everyone decides that somebody needs to be relentlessly dunked on. And in this case, it was an admittedly overly reductive, overly simplified tweet about who invented science fiction. Ugh. Do you remember do you remember this this Twitter Vaguely, showdown? I usually bump right out of those because like nobody's gonna convince anybody and all you get is a lot of people yelling. Yeah, so I so I think there is a valid point to be made about um we talked in our episode about Hugo Gernsback about creating the genre of science fiction like imagining that these this type of literature has traits in common that you can market as a genre. But that is not how it was written. It was written sort of like uh Hugo Gernsback and H.G. Wells invented science fiction. Um, and, of course, people relentlessly dunked on that. Um, Edgar Allan Poe would like a word. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. There are well, so many Margaret examples. Lu- yeah, Margaret Lucas Cavendish would like a word was one of the things. 
Uh, and I found it very frustrating because I was like, you know, I think it's a really interesting story about like how the idea of a literary genre comes to be and like this various definition writing and gatekeeping and stuff like that 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 becomes part of establishing that. But instead, uh, there was just a lot of tweets naming various people who had uh, published stories that could be described as science fiction. And I was like, okay think at some point we might have a blazing world episode of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yes no no one agrees which is part of the wonder of it right like yeah there have always been people who have had fanciful concepts that could be interpreted depending on where they fall in the timeline as science fiction but because we didn't have that term they've just kind of been flapping in the breeze being you know, outliers of a lot of yeah. the other literature that was going on in the day. And so at that point, it becomes like, I mean, we could do an entire show that's like all the books that people go, nope, that's science fiction, but wasn't ever recognized as such, certainly during its own time and often for a long time after. It's tricky. Yeah, and a lot of it really, like, how exactly are you defining science mm-hmm. fiction? Um, one definition that I have seen that I really like in a lot of ways as that, uh, in a work of science fiction, the science is playing a critical part to the story that is unfolding and, like, the underpinning of the world. Right. Uh, and if it is um, something where the science seems to be treated more like magic, then that's really fantasy. And it's like, I I can see that distinction in my mind. I don't know that it's really helpful uh, to, to make a distinction like that, but, like, I can see, I can see that working as a framework. And in that regard, I would... I feel like the blazing world in a lot of ways is is more like a fantasy than a work of science fiction. Uh, it does comment on science a lot, but it seems a little more magical in like the purportedly scientific things that happen in it. I have not read it, mm-hmm. but as as we were discussing in the episode, the segment where there's a microscopic examination of a fly. I'm like, wait, didn't she say they were fly men? What did they have to say about all this? <laughs> That's a good point that I hadn't thought of. What What did the fly men and the lice men think about this weird? Couldn't they have just said those aren't <laughs> pearls, baby? Like, I know. <laughs> I see out of them, in fact. One thing that I wanted to note is that her descriptions about her own I mean, I'm going to call it anxiety. She, it, like, she, she talks about bashfulness, but, mm-hmm. like, as an anxious person, it resonated with me, a lot of the things that she said about it. And in terms of uh, what she wrote in her autobiography about her relationship with her husband, um, the way she described it is a way that I could see, like, married asexual folks I know describing their relationship. Yeah, very much so. Um, And it's one of those things where I, uh, it's totally possible that there are other letters and things of hers that I just did not have access to where there's more thought on uh, herself and her relationships and that kind of stuff. But it's like having only those small passages to go on uh, makes it hard to like broadly draw conclusions. But it is a case where I sort of, I can see myself and other people I know kind of reflected in things that she wrote. Um, I really wish we had images of her clothes. Yeah, I mean, we have some, like, portraits and stuff of her, but not portraits that reflect that aspect of her clothing that people seemed fixated on. 
Um, it's more like, well, that looks like a really ostentatious gown. It doesn't look like something that I feel like she designed on her own to also incorporate what would have been more traditionally menswear. So, yeah. <laughs> I really, really ache. There's another aspect of this that uh, reminded me, it's a thing that's come up a lot, I feel like, in our in many, many, many episodes that we've never really talked about. And it's publishing. Mm-hmm. And the way it has shifted over time, right? Like, oh, yeah. Today yeah. it's all, I got a book deal. But back then it was, I raised the money to arrange for my book to be published, which is a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why, like, information sharing and accessibility was very much the realm of people with cash or people who had mm-hmm. friends with cash. Um, and that's like an inequity that we don't talk about a whole lot. Um, yeah but is, like, a really critical part of sort of the framework. I think it's it's vital to remember when you're reading anything historical. It's like, well, odds are good that unless this was, like, a found something in a very unique circumstance that this is, we're getting, like, the upper rungs of society and their take. Yeah, yeah. We, we mentioned in the episode that um, there were more women publishing, but mostly anonymous, anonymously and, like, mostly small pamphlets. And that wasn't because women didn't have enough to say to fill a whole book. It, it was largely about money. Like, right. a woman printing something anonymously on her own a lot of times only had an amount of money that would cover one folded sheet of paper, <laughs> not, uh, not a whole book with bindings and uh, artwork that was going to be included, uh, which is the sort of stuff that Margaret Lucas Cavendish had enough money to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, what did the flymen think? I just keep fixating on question. that. Um, you were going to tell a funny dog story. So as as our listener mail was discussing that they have a dog that will just sit and not do the moving, and we were talking about other dogs, I saw the funniest instance of this ever when I was still running quite a bit, and it was during a 5K, and this very, very fit but very, very petite woman was running with a rather cobby cocker spaniel, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is my way to say that dog had a lot of extra pounds. Um, It was a very heavy Mm -hmm. dog. And somewhere around mile 1.7, the dog just sat down flat, and this tiny little woman's legs flew out from under her, and she landed on her badonk. And it was just this funny thing, because I... Um, I don't remember the dog's name, but it was a very funny dog's name, like a person's name, where she was like, Ernie! And (laughs) then she just had to, like lift the back end of him up to get him moving again and they walked Aww. the rest of the way. That was also the same race where I saw a woman run the entire race carrying what was obviously a very pampered and happy chihuahua. But <laughs> <laughs> just in her arms like a baby as she ran and the dog seemed Aww. so happy. But that was easily the worst instance and the funniest because she seemed fine. Like several of us stopped yeah, and yeah, were yeah. like, are you okay? Because she fell. And she was like, yes, this isn't the first time. But just oh. put the brakes on so hard. <laughs> yeah. Dog said, I'm done now. Finished and at that point, right, you're out in the middle of a course. It's not like you could just yeah. go back to the car. You got to get the other half of the race finished to get the dog <gasps> home. Aww. Puppies. It's very cute. Very bad, but very cute. Never run a 5K with cats. It's not a thing I would ever ever, ever do. I mean, it sounds kind of fascinating, but... 
No, maybe a cat in a stroller if you have a cat that's amenable to such things. Maybe. I th- Maybe. I feel like even that I would be walking. I don't think I could run. Yeah. That. I would worry about bouncing. Yeah. Very into the spoiled animals. I love the idea of calling your dog to explain the situation to them. Like, hey, you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta get up. I know you don't want to, but you have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be at home. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Me too. Me too. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. We talked about Mabel Lee this week. Mm -hmm. She is very, very fascinating to me because she is, I feel like she often gets quick write-ups that talk about her suffrage work but not as many that talk about her kind of social services in Chinatown and her her work at the mission, even though that really took up much more of her life. Um, and I understand it's trickier to talk about since, one, you know, that's a community that has its own history and probably a lot of what she did was not even recorded, right? Like Chinatown as a small neighborhood-ish relatively speaking, um, you know, there was probably a lot going on that wasn't getting written down every day, as in any neighborhood that has, like, a really strong ethnic or social identity. I th- I feel like there's a lot we're going to miss that never becomes mm-hmm. part of recorded history, unfortunately. But it's interesting. I hadn't know- known until I was doing research, and pretty late in my research, that she had set up a health clinic there. Right. Um, which is a really, really cool and important thing to have achieved, but it's like you don't see very much about it in a lot of the the writing about her, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. I could look at pictures of Mabel Lee all day, every day, <laughs> um, because she's one of those people who, in photographs, and most of the photographs we have of her are when she was younger, uh, but she has that look in her eyes that is so intense and almost frightening in that, like, you just know, like, this person can think circles around me and would probably, like, Mm -hmm. just drown me in information if I tried to challenge them. Uh, She just has, like, there's a a beauty to her because of that, because of that intensity that she conveys that I really find appealing. Um, It's interesting to be a mouthpiece for something when you're 16, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I, like, I found myself going, what crazy, what is she saying about, you know, education being to make yourself for a man? And I was like, oh, one, this was a long time ago. Two, she was 16. Yeah. If anyone judged me by the crap I said when I was 16. Same. Whew. Same. <laughs> oh, I wrote, uh, I was on the newspaper staff my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um and I wrote opinion columns, and wow, my opinions were very bad. Like, not the, not very bad in a way that I'm like, I should incarcerate myself in thought right. jail. But more like I had been exposed to, a, you know, a pretty conservative household, and I also thought I knew everything. <laughs> right, I mean, that comes with the 16-year-old package, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which is it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody who's like, yes, the things I said when I was 16 were all correct, and I will stand by them now in my later years. No, ooh, no, very few. The things I said six months ago were not all correct. 
Right? Kudos you if you have that conviction <laughs> and you can look at your 16-year-old self and be like, yeah, I was right about everything. Uh, but I can't imagine it. Nope. You know, we're we're all growing and changing, <laughs> hopefully for the better. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's, I, I think about, you know, I mean, we certainly have seen young people in our time that have been elevated to be really like the focal point of a movement or an activism. And it's much different, of course, right? Like, blah, blah, social media, modern age. Um, But it is much different. So I'll be curious to see, and hopefully I'm around long enough to see how they evolve over time and and as they age into middle adulthood. Yeah. How they will look back on, on their activism, you know, which I hope is great because often I'm like, yeah, and right behind them on what a lot of activists in that age group are saying. So hopefully they'll age with a better uh, relevance than the yeah. rest of us. Yeah, it is. There are there are differences between, you know, growing up without the internet in anything like what we have now. Like, mm-hmm. by the time I graduated from high school, I was participating in dial-up bulletin boards. <laughs> but that's not the same as having, like, broad access to people from all kinds of different backgrounds, yeah. sharing their own thoughts and experiences and interpretations of things. Like, it wasn't like that at all. It was a bunch of other 18-year-olds all dialing up from their parents' living rooms in uh, Northwest North Carolina. So <laughs> yeah. Because it was local numbers that we dialed into for the bulletin boards. Those were the days. Um, I don't think I was cool enough for that. I wasn't... It was not cool at all. Uh, Well, (laughs) I I was busy being artsy-fartsy in my own way, so I didn't, you know, and then I'm a a few years old, like three years older than you, I think, so I was off um, doing other (laughs) (laughs) ill-behaved things. I remember, like, my good friend's little brother being on similar services. Yeah. And me being like, ah, and, you know, not having any use for that or understanding its potential. So, yet another thing that I have been a ding-dong about. <laughs> no one wants to call each other on their computers. What is this nonsense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. we had a whole second phone line for the calling, eventually. You did. Uh, yeah, well, because my, uh, I came home from school by myself. Uh, And, you know, it was my job to start dinner and all that kind of stuff. Um, And my mom would usually call about 30 minutes after I was supposed to get home to make sure I had gotten home okay. And once we started having dial-up things, she would try to call home and the line would be busy because (laughs) uh, I would be on the computer. And you couldn't have call waiting for that because the call waiting would kick you right. off of your connection. So oh, yes. eventually as a Christmas gift, uh, my parents got a second phone line that was for mine and my brother's personal phone calls and our computer use. That is amazing. That feels so forward thinking because my parents would not have done that. Um, my parents were very old school in some way. <laughs> we didn't have cable like until after I was grown up and moved out of the house we didn't yeah. have cable i was still living in the house but like we for a long time we had the channels that we could get with the antenna that was mounted on the roof yeah i had cable in my own apartment before my parents had cable in their house <laughs> you know
No, it was a very, oh, that's wasteful. We, mm-hmm. we don't have the same spending habits. In any case, I'm sure they would tell you that 16-year-old me was a pain in the neck and remained thus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure my father is still hoping I grow out of whatever phase I am in. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad, it's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> um, I do want to circle back to Mabel Lee because I do want to reiterate what I said at the end of that episode, that to me, she's such an inspiring figure because she fought so hard for something that was not going to help her. Yeah, yeah. Which makes me love her deeply. Yeah. Uh, even if we don't have all the same opinions on everything, that in and of itself is a, a huge indicator of who a person is in my book. So we hope that you have a wonderful weekend ahead of you. If you don't, if you have stuff you have to do, if your schedule is not the standard work week weekend, I hope that whatever is on your plate is not too much and that it goes smoothly and that you do get some time to yourself to relax and recharge. I hope that all of you are good to each other. We will be right back here tomorrow with a classic and then on Monday with brand new episodes. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.